The Loose Cannons Podcast is a free-form discussion about film that contains mature language, such as poop and titty, and descriptions of mature situations, such as filing taxes and raising children. We do not have any concern for spoilers, so if you haven't seen the film or films we are discussing and don't want to have the twists ruined for you, please watch the film before listening to the podcast. Or say, say we wrote a story that said that Haldeman was the fifth name to control the phone. Right. Would we be in any trouble? Would we be wrong? Let me put it this way. I would have no problems if you wrote a story like that. If you wouldn't? No. That's it. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you had a baby. Yeah. Oh, my wife did. a boy or girl. That's terrific. That's a girl. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. We're sorry to bother you. Yeah. Would you give our best to her? I will. Mm-hmm. Hey everyone, it's another Loose Cannons podcast coming at you. We're no. back. No more extremely long end of the year podcasts. Now extremely long single movie podcasts. Yeah, right. <laughs> the format you know and love. Uh, joining me today is the regular crew. Me, Patrick, Ilya, and Basil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hello. Hello, hello. Even though this is a normal format podcast, uh, we're doing uh, a year-long thing i don't know if patrick or Ilya want to explain sure um we've uh this year we're doing a little bit some some a little bit different for the canon um usually as you know if you listen to us before or if you've never listened to us before you don't know so this will not be a surprise uh we usually do a canon uh once a year uh we pick out a theme and we record one uh long or medium-long podcast on that topic. So last year was, for example, the Asian action canon. This year we're doing something a little bit different. Um, we're going to go through basically the entire AFI top 100 list, uh, the 10th anniversary edition, uh, to be precise. And we're going to be talking about the movies off of that list that we internally select um, pretty much every other week. Uh, throughout the year. So hopefully in a way to kind of frame what we sort of think about film or I guess our aesthetic concerning film, frame that within the context of something that is like a popular mainstream canon. Um, yeah. That's basically the, yeah. the gist of it. It's it's basically the idea is in the past we've come up with our own canons and now we're externalizing and taking on someone else's canon to give you some context for where we stand in to relation about, to the to the mainstream yeah. i guess how they are yeah so normally canonized films that we like this year we might be decanonizing films that other <laughs> have put on their yeah <laughs> but the result will be see. we'll be talking about a lot more popular movies i suppose so yeah. uh keep tuning in speaking yeah. of today's pick is 1976's All the President's Men, directed by Alan J. Pacula. But before we do that, we still do this. Mm-hmm. It's back. Heralds and Denouncements, it's baby. Back. back. 
All right. Um, I want to denounce a movie that's probably not a surprise, but I want to denounce the movie Proud Mary. Uh, I saw it in the theater. Uh, no, very... I haven't seen it yet. Sorry, I'm, I'm very sorry. <laughs> it's it's a bad movie. It's, it's poorly directed. <laughs> it's poorly edited. Uh, the script is terrible. But I will say this. Uh, Taraji P. Henson and the boy who plays Danny, I'm not sure what the kid's name is, but he and her actually have some pretty good chemistry in some of the scenes. Um, particularly the scenes where it feels like they're not actually going by the script. Um, oh, that boy's name is Jahi Diallo Winston. So um, it, it, it feels like when they're given rain to actually like go off script, they actually do a good job and actually feel kind of natural together. But the script is so bad that anytime they have to like really adhere to what's on the page that everything suffers. And uh, this we'll director also... Yeah, this, this director, Bab- <laughs> well, uh, Babak Najafi uh, was also the director of London Has Fallen, which was my least favorite movie of 2016. So mm-hmm. it's not a big surprise that I did not like this movie. <laughs> At least he's consistent. Yeah. I'm, this this week bad. I'm going to see Proud Mary and Den of Thieves with Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, maybe you'll have a different take. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm planning on seeing Den of Thieves sometime soon as well. Nice, Gerard Butler. Uh, when is Mitchell coming to Portland? Uh, today, later today. I mean, cool. if you're listening to this, he's coming three days ago. But uh, <laughs> when we're <Excellent>. recording, <laughs> excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. Uh, I because of work and stuff, I won't be able to hang out with them today. But hanging out tomorrow, watching that proud Mary, and then uh, all kinds Thank of you. stuff going on. All kinds of stuff. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, well, uh, I am going to, s- throughout this podcast, I will probably be denouncing the post, <laughs> <laughs> the prequel to the movie we're about to talk about. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, the post now, literally uh, ends where this one begins. <laughs> yep. With the iconic Watergate shot. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, he even replicates the framing and uh, the sequencing quite a bit. But uh, instead, I will go ahead and um, herald The Sacrifice by Andrei Tarkovsky. Uh, The new 4K restoration came out. It was playing a theater that was sold out, which was pretty amazing. I mean, it, nice. it only seats about like 70 people, but I was still not expecting <laughs> Tarkovsky movie to sell out on a Wednesday night in, in Portland. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. Especially because I saw Stalker on like a Sunday and uh, that was in the big in the same theater. It was in their bigger one, but it was still like way less people. So I was like, hmm. People don't want to see Stalker at a time when people usually go to see longer movies, but they do want to see The Sacrifice on Wednesday, possibly the least popular night to see movies. <laughs> uh, probably because they're feeling anxious about nuclear war. Yeah, it's true. It's a, a cool movie, very pretty. The long takes are pretty cool. There's a, um, 
I found it very funny, which I wasn't expecting. Like, Tarkovsky's not usually a person I think of as, like, being a real humorous guy, but uh, <laughs> it's, there's some um, strange and funny absurdity to it. And then, uh, especially the, you know, iconic uh, final set piece. Like, I was expecting that to be very dramatic, having watched uh, seen the poster so many times, or, like, a short Ooh. clip from it, but like Tarkovsky really undercuts it by having the dude just like running around in circles in like a karate gi at the same time. No, no, I find that very funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, the Strugatskys that he like that wrote the Stalker original mm -hmm. book are really funny writers, so I think I guess he's. Uh, attracted to comedy, at least in some way. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I guess like yeah. none of his movies Stalker are like outwardly had some funnier comic. parts than I was expecting too. Yeah. For someone. Yeah, I uh, actually read Roadside Picnic not too long ago, uh, or yeah. listened to it on Audible. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. They they do embrace the comedy of the. I guess they're absurd, very funny. I guess the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. If you have to be. <laughs> You're living in a totalitarian <laughs> government. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> fuck it. At least we can be funny. Um, you got anything to add, Basil? Oh, about the sacrifice? I don't know. It's a movie that I really enjoyed watching that I still have kind of a hard time knowing what to say about. Haley had a fun interpretation, I guess, that in her mind... Uh, being afraid of death is so overwhelming that you'll ruin your whole life not to die. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was actually I've actually been watching quite a few movies again um, this year, and. Uh, I mean, a lot of them. I, I rewatched the entire Spider-Man trilogy, for nice. instance, uh, yeah, which was fun. Yeah, was nice. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, I, I I was very happy to confirm to myself that I still really really love Spider-Man Two. Fuck the haters. This movie is yeah. still really really great. Um, no way, Dan. Is it ever? Is Spider-Man: Homecoming ever even close to? <laughs> being as good as that movie is, and I guess, you know, uh, yeah, I, I wrote about it, my uh, takeaway from watching this time is that I gave much more, uh, it became much more evident to me that Raimi frames everything in a somewhat relatable story that kind of positions Peter as a, you know, blue collar or working class uh, uh, guy, and like kind of has like a story of his own life play out, and at the same time, the story of Spider-Man, and uh, yeah, it's he's the one relatable superhero. Really, like all of these other guys are either like fascist billionaires, or gods, or demigods, or whatever. None of that shit is in any way relatable to me. Um, but a guy who has trouble paying for rent and who has uh, a really nice family um, and uh, who, you know, has, like, trouble keeping steady employment and, like, all these things, that's 
very relatable to me. And I think that that's something that any superhero film should somehow also have, unless they just want to be like these super abstract like action set pieces all the time. But for that, they're not interesting enough and not nearly as good enough because guess what? Like also for action scenes, you kind of have to have a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, stakes involved, and you don't have stakes if you don't have any relationship to anyone in this in the, in the movie, you know. Um, so, yeah, still very glad to reconfirm that. <laughs> Always want to keep loving the same movies I've loved for a while. <laughs> yeah, Iron Man especially seems like a strange aspirational figure. <laughs> like if you're yeah. gonna try and take them as gross, that, like ah, oh, I wish I could be like a smart mouth alcoholic. Like, Travis Kalanick, basically, with his fucking suit. Like, (laughs) fuck that shit. And his moral arc mm. is one that no one will experience if you're not already a super rich person. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Imagine if you didn't care about anybody because you were super rich, but then you learned to care about people a little bit. I don't (laughs) feel bad about the way that you made your billions. (laughs) Oh, I totally connect to this. Yep. Um, That's like me. <laughs> I have so many movies that I could choose from, but I guess I'll discuss Shall We Dance. Um, there's a lot of movies mm. called Shall We Dance. This is the one from 1937. It's a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers movie that I rewatched. Um, and it's totally, it's still really bonkers. Like, I don't understand <laughs> how people aren't more weirded out by this movie. It's got a Ginger Rogers real doll in it. as a scene where uh uh like um of course like a part where ginger rogers is angry at Fedestair and she doesn't want to be with him and he's like okay i'll just dance with facsimiles of her so like the last dance sequence is him dancing with like a hundred people wearing ginger rogers masks Oh, that's unsettling. It's <laughs> yeah. like Busby Berkeley. There's another part. Um, yeah, this movie takes from a lot of films. In fact, there's a part where he's uh, they're on a boat, and he goes down into, like, the steam room with the crew, and he starts dancing with, like, all the, like, pistons and stuff, and it looks like something out of Man with a Movie Camera. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, <laughs> Russian Expressionism in there. So hmm. plot-wise, you know, and even song-wise, because most of the songs from the movie are just... Um, uh, the old standards, like, uh, you say tomato, I say tomato. Like, oh, so, yeah. uh, let's call the whole thing off. Like, those are, like, the songs, but, like, some of the ideas in this are just really weird. <laughs> it's a really <laughs> weird movie. <laughs> I'm really Sounds exciting. About nice. how weird it is. <laughs> it's not at all, like, swing time, which is, uh, more standard but great mm-hmm. following those standards <laughs> anyway yeah alright and it's very bad snitch is very bad <laughs> drive by denouncements <laughs> is Ilya's pick yes so uh all the president's men very famous movie um, deals with the Watergate scandal 
the movie itself starts in or during the Watergate break-in, um, which is basically filmed as it happens uh, when a security company gets called back to uh, check out, uh, you know, if something's wrong, and then they find the five people who broke into the building, and then those five people are taken to court, and that's where the movie kind of really picks up um, in that it starts with uh, Robert Redford's character, uh, the real-life journalist, um, Bob Woodward. Woodward. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's like uh, Nora Ephron's (laughs) husband, right? Or is that Bernstein? I don't know. Anyway, uh, one of them, I think, is. Um, anyhow, he's like he goes to court and tries, like, uh, he sort of smells that something's wrong about this whole situation. Why would these five guys immediately have, like, a very apparently big-name counsel uh, present at their hearing who uh, was there even before they had the chance to call anybody? And from that... He like starts to investigate the um, the situation. At the same time, Paul Bernstein, another journalist at the Washington Post, played by Dustin Hoffman, also has his suspicions that this uh, story might run much higher than people think. And uh, the two sort of start working on the same story. Uh, at first, not really collaborating, but as the movie progresses, they sort of try and. Uh, uh, they they both kind of get um, yeah put in charge of the story. Uh, so Woodward at the time has supposedly only been nine months at the post, so they're reluctant to give it to him. They want to give it to more senior reporters, but the two sort of show how hungry they are <laughs> for this story, and so they let them uh, work on it. And they're initially off uh, constantly failing, so. They, they managed to get a few stories published. A lot of them relax sources. They have a lot of trouble getting uh, direct quotes from people, understandably. So, um, meanwhile, uh, uh, Woodward has an insider source called Deep Throat, played by Hal Holbrook um, in this movie. And uh, Deep Throat keeps feeding him, uh, sort of like trying to keep him on the on the right track in terms of his investigation. Um, and as the movie progresses and they get further and further into uh, the conspiracy, um, they start realizing that their own lives might be in danger and so on. Um, and uh, the movie kind of frames their investigation as the press, freedom of a press versus government issue. And it ends sort of before all the big stuff happens. All the sort of like Nixon resigns, everything is like relayed at the very end through this like very uh, like abrupt uh, typewriter, typewriter editing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so during the movie, they they don't really manage to bring anyone down, to be honest. It's just like them investigating stuff and mostly failing. Mm-hmm. Very nicely done. I probably would have just said, this movie is about the two guys who wrote about Watergate. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but add a little spice to it. I like this movie. 
I don't really like it, uh, but I think Alan J. Pacquiao is a cool director. I like the way that he uses sound. I don't know if I can exactly put my finger on it. It sounds very cold and distant. <laughs> His films, like you're spying on someone, yeah. which of course you are <laughs> when you watch a movie. <laughs> um, and... I think it's nice that uh, the movie recognizes that even if these people did like a public good, that that doesn't necessarily make them like superheroes. So there's a lot of like shitty behavior going on between them, yep. um, personally and especially coming from Bernstein's side of him being like pretty interfering with uh, people, like walking into their houses when they tell them to stay out, asking them questions when they say they want to be left alone. And, of course, one point quite literally like stealing a paper from Woodward and then <laughs> retyping it as a better version of the story. <laughs> um, but I also think this movie has a lot of, like, I guess, Hollywoodisms that uh, make it less interesting and, um, like, scenes that are obviously supposed to, like, parallel each other and, like, too blunt away and i don't know if um the movie has like an actually a very strong theme it's just like this is an important story and they got it out pretty quickly because this you know the movie starts in 1972 and then they released it in 1976 um so that's a pretty yep. quick turnaround yeah and it's based on a book so yeah it's like a book came out and was a bestseller and then they're like let's make a movie out of this book. an investigation continued All... into 1973 i think right i think that's when like it took a... it uh, like, nixon didn't resign until 74, 74 so, yeah, right yeah yeah, so, yeah. Really... so um i think it kind of oh. like it tells like a kind of good story but i don't think they actually you know kind of like we talked about the podcast but not nearly as extreme they haven't taken the time or something to like really tease out any themes, I think. Mm -hmm. So they just tell a compelling story and then kind of move on. But mm -hmm. Patrick, uh, yeah, I also like this movie. Um, although I did have some problems with it, um, and I think if I could pinpoint where they came from, probably William Goldman, who uh, wrote the screenplay for it. Uh, who I Princess Bride. Yeah, I I I like his craft. I think he's a good a good writer, but I think he's also a shitty person because he's a noted uh, homophobe and uh, you mm. know wrote some pretty misogynist films also, uh, including The Princess Bride. Uh, but he's like a, a lot of this movie boils down to like um, there's a there's a kind of a famous vine that's just this dude standing in a football stadium in front of like a football practice and he just goes what's better than this guys being dudes and i was like <laughs> that's so many scenes in this movie it's just like <laughs> guys being dudes especially the scenes where all of the like, editors are together talking about what's going to be on the front page of the paper it's just like, mm -hmm. guys being dudes the whole time and mm -hmm. i was like this this feels like it was written by someone who like really longs for those days <laughs> You know, where it's just like guys could be dudes and the with smoke in the rooms and you know, like it was just like, you know, I don't know, a a feeling of the time or whatever, but I I do like the way that this movie is very terse and very like it, it doesn't feel like it 
flowers things up too much um it does tease out some of the paranoia a little bit too much like some of that goes on a little too long and i could have done without that where it's like really trying to make you feel like oh no someone's behind robert redford or whatever somebody could be watching him or whatever it's like it tries to play up that danger element too much and i was just like yeah i could do without that but i kind of like this the way that the scenes play out where they're actually like questioning people and going through the craft of like gathering information and being journalists and like really getting a hard-hitting story so yeah i i enjoy like that real that real like journalism work in the movie Mm -hmm. i i did like this movie a lot uh and i think uh some of it may as i mentioned earlier have come from (laughs) the fact that i just watched the post and really really (laughs) didn't like it and uh i think that a lot of yeah (laughs) but uh i think that a lot of what i disliked about the post this movie kind of has an antidote to which makes it even weirder that the post is so obviously reverential of this uh movie because i'm like wait a second like this this would make more sense if the post came out and then alan j pacula saw it and was like ah there's a better way to do this. Like, I'm going to do my own movie and then made this one because... Um, I actually think I re- it totally makes sense Yeah. over 40 years that all of the, like, hard edges would get sanded down to mm-hmm. Dolly shots in on Tom Hanks' face being like, right. we're going to run the news. We got yeah. the story news, the news story. <laughs> we done do it. <laughs> Print it, you guys. Slam dunk Go. some news. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it does It does actually make sense. But, you know, like, it's. it also seems so strange that, like, since Spielberg replicated, like, actual shot for shot, like, the, the, the end of his movie, like, matches the beginning of this one. Like, he's clearly watched it a lot and probably recently. And it's like, oh, you know what would make this movie better? If, if there was less, like interesting stuff happening (laughs) (laughs) like i I mean one thing that i think is really interesting uh that i'll just bring up quickly before we uh, let Ilya talk is that like the just the differences in how they shoot the office because i think pacula shoots it similar to like how uh uh Billy Wilder shoots the office in the apartment or double indemnity Mm. where it's like not a cool looking place. It looks pretty unsettling. (laughs) Like the lights like look and I'm like for like a movie that's ostensibly like valorizing these like super cool journalists supposedly like it doesn't feel like they work in like an awesome place. that would be exciting to work in versus like the way that Spielberg kind of shoots it. It's like this hustle and bustle, but it's like, Ooh, look at all these men. They're working and they're doing their thing. And I'm like, uh, I like Pacula's way better. Offices are unsettling. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm uh, I'm with Basil. I really like this movie. Uh, I thought it was uh, uh, I don't know, like so much stuff in here. Uh, it's gonna be a real angry disagreement between really liking and liking and, but and only know. liking. I know. <laughs> Get ready, guys. Uh, yeah, I think uh, classic two v two. Everything that this movie has influenced is actually, you know, I, I was it was interesting for me. Like so much of the wire, for example, oh, the sure. wires, yeah, 
uh, follow the money and all that sort of stuff. The way it depicts investigative journalism is mostly like cold calling people, <laughs> making them <laughs> extremely them. uncomfortable. Being an asshole, yeah. <laughs> so much of this movie is just people on phones making other people on the other line uncomfortable. I'm like, I know this. This is like... <laughs> Catching them in a trap. <laughs> this is... My job is about this a little bit. Uh, it's cold calling people and making them talk to me even though they didn't want to. Um, right. That's... Uh, it, it, I, I knew actually this movie is a little bit unrealistic because more people would hang up than they actually do and they would never, <laughs> ever, ever divulge this much information for no reason. Every time that but happened, I was like... Did. But apparently they did, yeah. Back then, back then <laughs> I, people I were just a little bit... Looking over at the... Oh, I don't know if it's a back then question. I think it's actually a Bob Woodward question. Apparently he's just really good at this. Yeah. Everyone like they say like, oh, he's he's an okay writer, but he'll get you to talk about stuff you shouldn't be talking about yeah, every single time you sit down. That's with a good him. talent. So just never yeah. sit down with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a extremely pre-internet movie. Also, yeah. everything that happens here is like people searching for stuff, and they're like in the library going yeah, through yeah, books, look at their cards, and. And they're like going through addresses, like uh, like going through like all these like documents, which is like, man, this is fun. It's so much fun to like watch people like research stuff, um, or at least Alan J. Pacula, yeah, Total Bay makes it fun because I know I've watched this is my second Pacula. The first one yeah. actually went under a cannon, right? So the mm -hmm. the yeah, parallax view. Yeah. Which I loved, um, and this movie is also really good. So so far, Alan J. Pacula is two for two for me, being really. You should watch the awesome. Pelican Brief next. Uh, Why well, is that him? Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess he was like that was like twenty or twenty five years later, right? <laughs> so, yeah. I was looking at my rankings on credit cards so that I could rank this movie, and I didn't know until then. But he did the Pelican Brief and the Devil Zone. Those, uh, the and they're both very bad movies. Never. I'm just gonna pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> Only gonna watch his '70s stuff. Yeah. I wonder. Besides, uh, Clute. Yeah. Check I guess Clute. people like Scorsese's '90s stuff, but I was trying to think of like directors that hit big in the '70s and mm -hmm. then were still working in the '90s, whether they were making anything good. I the like Palma. Stoker's Dracula, but the Palma did some good stuff. Oh uh, yeah. Mission Impossible is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, bon Fatale is good too. Yeah, that's the 2000s though. Some people had a red. Oh, right, yeah. He skipped <laughs> that, that, the 90s. One thing, first, I do like uh, this more than the post, although not as significantly as Basil. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I do significantly like in this more than the post is Jason Robards' version of Ben Bradley compared oh, to yeah. the Oh, yeah. Which I was already yeah. kind of hitting it at, but he's a very, like, um, they do a lot of things in the post to, like, make uh, Tom Hanks, like, a little bit scummy at points, mm -hmm. but it's all very delivered in monologue, like, uh, these are his bad qualities, like, leading up to right. it. Like, it's not very much in the performance mm. whatsoever. And I'm not even sure if Hanks is capable of that performance. Um, mm -hmm. He delivers everything so stridently. Um, 
Yeah. And Jason Robards is like really just like the first scene that he shows up and he like puts his feet up on yeah. someone's desk. And like, you're like, this guy gets the job done, but I don't like him. <laughs> like, yeah. Something about this He's guy a, I just don't yeah. like. <laughs> it's just a, that whole office is just full of assholes. Like, yeah, totally. Everyone's an asshole in that office. <laughs> classic just, newspaper men <laughs> who, who gets to run this office who's the biggest asshole <laughs> yeah oh, he's so dismissive you haven't yeah. got it and he just throws it down yeah it's like it's not it's not my job to tell yeah, you put, how you put got it on it wrong, page nine or whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah and there's yeah. um in the post there's like a big moment like everyone is like fretting when they're deciding to publish something and then this it like it's not offhanded, but like you have no interiority to his decision that he decides to like um, mm -hmm. <laughs> go with things. Like when they decide to keep Woodward on the story and stuff like that, he's like, "Yeah, keep him on the story." And it's like, "What? <laughs> Why?" <laughs> Such a weird person. Right. Yeah. I always yeah, like Jason I... Robards, though. I think he might yes. be one of my favorite he's... actors of all time. Seriously, nice. one of the greatest. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I mean, the other thing that I think is fun about um, this, the, the post kind of lacks or whatever, is that the the post is so invested in, like, the big emotional moments and, like, the mm. kind of monologues that Ruben was talking about that, like, there's nothing very procedural about it, like, that it kind of just, once it's, once the ball's in motion, it's just, like, a series of scenes where people discuss whether or not to do something and then yeah. they eventually decide to do it there's no like you know i mean bob odenkirk's character does a little bit of like but that's only like three scenes of the movie where he just calls some people and then he's like oh i found my guy here it is yeah. but this has like some really really mundane just like repeated scenes of them like talking to people <laughs> that go nowhere and then yeah uh, like like the was hinted at before there's like that weird long shot where they like go to the library and then they talk to somebody and he's like I can't help you and then they're like well we got to find somebody else who can maybe help us and then he's like yeah I got that stuff for you you sure you want all of it and they're like yeah give us all of it and then it's just like stacks and stacks of like and then they uh, leave and they're like we didn't find anything we didn't yeah. find anything helpful in this whole and yeah, yeah. file and the story that they're trying to track down at that point is whether or not someone checked out books about Ted Kennedy yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is front page news yeah great yeah yeah they're like somebody checked out books about Chappaquiddick or something like that <laughs> and it's like the whole thing yeah. stems from that that conversation he has with the librarian where she's like yes they checked out a lot of books and then she comes back and yeah. she's like no I've never heard of that person at all yeah. uh, what people sort of kind of lazily praise about Spotlight is really just like one 10 minute sequence of that movie it's this whole movie this whole movie yeah. is the 10 minute sequence of Spotlight it's very intensely detailed in that sense yeah yeah I wonder I if sorry Oh, no, I, I was going to only halfway build on that. So if you have something. Yeah, I was just like wondering, uh, you know, since this movie is like, you know, it's on the AFI top 100. So it's like a very like critically acclaimed big like movie. Uh, I wonder if and like the reason it's popular movie, too. It wasn't. Just yeah, right. Well, Robert Redford was a huge yeah. star at the time. Yeah. Um, very good looking man as usual um and dustin hoffman and jason robards were 
stars at the time. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I just wonder... Because, like, the things I liked about this movie is actually, you know, I, I don't know. Like, a lot of them are... Well, yeah, all these journalists are, like, total dicks. <laughs> like, they're yeah, absolute adjusted dicks. Adjusted for inflation, this is his third highest grossing movie, Robert Redford. Yeah. After the um, Steve Butch Cassidy. Bigger than Captain I, America, the Winter Soldier. <laughs> I'm just wondering if, if, like, the reason it's in that list is because it's just, like... Because that's what... The reason why I was, like, a bit apprehensive about watching this movie is, like, ah, uh, is it just going to be, like, a pay-on to... Uh, investigative journalism and how this no. is just like the 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 good people working there just fighting for the truth man right. like they're just they want to dig up the truth no matter what and it's like no these guys are like super fueled by weird reasons <laughs> like very petty dustin hoffman is basically doing a lot of what he does because he's like a strange like womanizer person but who's also like mostly creeps out every single woman. He's like a womanizer that every woman in this movie is like creeped out by, which is really yeah. funny. Um, well, he has serious boundary issues, so I think uh, yeah. women are more aware of it, but he's constantly right. crossing everyone's boundaries. And like, you know, even like the little interaction that I hinted at with yeah, him with and Redford, uh, Woodward yeah. earlier, yeah. like when Woodward looks over his notes and decides that he is actually doing a better job, he's like, look, you can write the story, treat me with respect or whatever yeah, yeah he says yeah. i don't i don't mind what you did but i mind the way you how did. you yeah. did it yeah yeah because yeah. yeah. yes. that's who he is he's the kind of person who will just yeah. walk over and Man, take the that scene yeah. that scene in that woman's house is insane when he, the yeah. way he like manipulates yeah. her sister i think or her friend whoever is yeah. else, oh, is yeah. also he, gets house. A, he gets her sister to give him coffee into giving him like, coffee yeah. and then like oh uh you mind if I, yeah, you mind if I sit and just like, yeah, just, just well, my stupid notepad and everything. Like all that is like journalism works. It's yeah, absolutely. Serious boundary absolutely. crossing yeah. because yeah. people don't want to give that information up willingly. Right. Especially I was a very bad journalist. <laughs> That's why I quit journalism. <laughs> Didn't like making people uncomfortable all the time. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's also like, it's interesting because the person who would have to be a good journalist is a person who doesn't really mind doing that, right? So, or if they do mind, it's somehow way outweighed by the weight of the, whatever thing they're reporting on. So they're, they're, they're all extremely, they're like, extremely strangely doing it sociopathic way. people well, in a weird way. Although they're the thing really that, incredible at compartmentalizing. Like they yeah. just turn it on, and then as soon as the day is done, you know they treat their girlfriend or wife with respect. But, but it's, once but the it's world day starts, because, everyone yeah. just becomes objects. In also, like Woodward's life in this movie, she doesn't have a girlfriend, right? He's just by, he's living by himself. Every time it like, that's the thing about this movie. Like, there's no scene of like, oh, character building or whatever. It's like no, it's just like plot, 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 and like along the plot line. A little bit of character is like revealed. Oh, this guy's a yeah. dick. Oh, this guy's like whatever. But there's no like scene of like Robert Redford talking to like his girlfriend, be like, oh, I don't know, I feel a bit empty or whatever. Like no, 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 none of that shit. It's just like oh, maybe I should be doing something different. None of that. Well, it's somehow just... him seducing Faye Dunaway, even though he kidnapped her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, none of that. 
It's just like the one I remember. One scene is really funny is when uh, Bernstein, the Dustin Thomas character, calls him in the middle of the night, and he's like falling asleep, and Bernstein's like, "So, did you find it out?" He's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like he's just yeah, like falling yeah. asleep <laughs> alone in his apartment, and like, but the phone is right That's near the part him. I identify and, with the most. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, yeah. oh shit! He <laughs> like starts running off. I thought that was like a very cool scene because it's just like that scene tells you a lot more about his character than like a fake dialogue scene that's actually just a monologue of him talking about himself scene would ever do. But I thought that was actually pretty good writing or like a lot of this movie had like those types of moments where it's like you reveal character not through the character talking to you about who he is, but just by like putting him in weird situations where they sometimes don't even talk at all. Just they're like... Their behavior and i i don't know uh, yeah, i thought that was cool. i i think that uh that can be good at points in this film i think there's one scene where they um find out that someone in the office a woman has a connection to someone that oh, they yeah. want to find out about and at first they're um well uh bernstein never changes his tone he's just like you should get in touch with that person but at one point woodward becomes uncomfortable um, with asking this woman to essentially like fuck this dude so that they can follow right. lead because that's you know where she's implying strongly what's mm. is what's going to happen if she calls him um, mm. and like that's a like nice character moment but uh, like what I was referencing specifically in uh, my intro is there's a part where the two of them are in a car and um, Bernstein is trying to get um uh, Woodward to agree with him that they like that they should like definitely put a name down or something like that and he's like we don't know that definitively and he like uses these metaphors and they like argue over metaphors and then like 20 or 30 minutes later in the film yeah Woodward does it to somebody else and I'm like ooh see the journalism has affected him he's changed he's more like the shitty dude now that he's been in the game longer and I'm mm-hmm. like ah, I don't really care for yeah. that like it's a really obvious parallelism for me yeah although i actually have to say that when that moment happened with the woman Mm -hmm. i wasn't sure if like woodward wasn't doing it because he thought if he plays it this way she will give him that info it's entirely possible yeah that's actually double slick yeah he kind of nice guyed her yeah no yeah i think that that's uh that uh, i was actually gonna say that of of like um uh a thin thing that I actually did like that is similar to what Ruben just said because he does that earlier where he, he, Bernstein's like coming on too strong and then he kind of like lays off and then the person and then the person like starts talking to him and then I think that over the course of the movie him doing that does become more performative of like oh this is kind of the dynamic that works for us like Bernstein's gonna bully somebody and I'm gonna be like hey man lay off and yeah. then they'll like yeah. when they go to see that woman who gives him like most of the story like, yeah. the second or right. third time they go into that interaction having planned to do the thing they did <laughs> yeah. accidentally earlier yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah and I think that that's like yeah and I think that Robert Redford's performance is really good in the way that he sells that like I mean obviously like it's like a it feels very believable to me it's like because he's like a handsome guy but like he's also kind of like not like like looks like a model handsome he has like a kind of 
odd ruggedness to his face similar to Harrison Ford and he has like a soft voice and it's like I could totally buy that this person would like walk in and be like oh hey can I ask yeah. you some questions yeah. and then be Sorry like oh never mind it's okay <laughs> yeah so it, it's, in college, and it's very good Kyle casting and I didn't cause... have a totally dissimilar dyna- a dynamic nice. where Kyle was the Woodward and I was the Bernstein <laughs> <laughs> Where I was like, hey, aggressive opinions about movies. And Colin was like, hey, can I get you a beer? (laughs) 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 Hey, aggressive opinions about movies was definitely my first three semesters (laughs) at university. (laughs) That's a good way to start a conversation. Have you seen this or, movie? It sucks, right? <laughs> or end one in my experience yeah. as well. <laughs> um, I like the way that uh, he uses historical footage. Oh, were you going to say mm. something related? <laughs> uh, no, I was actually going to go on about the uh, humor in the movie. Okay. Because I, I think it, it's extremely deadpan, and I kind of like the way that it's a lot of it's delivered. Uh, um it's very i mean it's it's you know very in line with william goldman's style like he he has Mm -hmm. this kind of like i don't know uh, some of it's a little like tough guy humor it's a little like you know butch cassidy and the sundance kid a little bit and uh he he has a really great line where they um uh bernstein's telling woodward he was like i couldn't believe they were telling me this like i felt like the you know like cbs news is gonna jump through the window or something like that he was like mm-hmm. he's like i'm afraid of the cia you're afraid of of walter cronkite mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like that's a pretty funny line <laughs> <laughs> and the uh the <laughs> the line at the end that jason robard says where he was like we're in a tough spot and you guys put us there if you guys fuck up again i'm gonna get mad <laughs> it's just like the coolest collectivist line <laughs> yeah <laughs> I like Jason Robards' advice in general in this movie. It's basically like, just don't fuck it up. Like, it's mostly just, yeah. don't fuck it up. And, but yeah, it, oh, um, it's also like, it's like that uh, line that we opened the episode with, uh, Ilya's, that Ilya was talking about, where he, he's, they're like really grilling Sloan on that. <laughs> question and then they stop they're like just, your wife just had a baby oh congratulations they're all like, <laughs> like oh we're human <laughs> oh yeah we're, we're gonna be genial now <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, sorry we had to get tough with you there for a second i thought yeah. the funniest line was when the uh semi bigwigs were having the meeting about what to do with the story or basically what they were planning on doing with the paper for that week and um one of them was like, so, you know, what happens if we run the story and it goes bad? And then the guy said, well, I'll have to work for a living. And then <laughs> I laughed. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. You know, you, I've talked a lot, actually. No, I... What? <laughs> I said I've talked a lot, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, But, yeah, uh... I can't remember what I was going to say. Well, so, the other funny thing that I remember from this movie is Dustin Hoffman smoking everywhere. That's also really funny. It's even commented yeah, yeah, on by Robert Redford yeah. at one point. Yeah. Like, is there any and place you don't smoke? <laughs> He's, like, in the elevator with him or whatever. Yeah. 
<laughs> and there's also the part where they, a part where he like ashes off, like on the couch of someone. Yeah. Them, and Robert Redford like brushes it off. Oh, but I remember what I was gonna say. I, um, about the line, uh, like you know, the Walter Cronkite thing until the end when there's like some semblance of it. Like I think that that's kind of a cool line in the sense that it uh sort of indicts the characters like they're they're trying to get information from people who could die for giving this information. And like the biggest fear that they really have is like getting scooped by a different journalist. Yeah. Right. And that the stakes they're are afraid like the New York different. Times is going to beat them to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All the way until the they... That's a bigger, clear part of the post. And something that I like about that is how petty mm -hmm. the post mm. times are with each other. Right. Post. <laughs> and that, yeah, they're like, you know, there's all this Spielbergian hand waving about the good of the nation, but <laughs> the movie actually starts off with like, "Damn it, they beat us!" And I'm fucking yeah. pissed about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not just yeah, us. it's not just truth. It's like competitive truth. Yeah, like my truth. <laughs> Who's got the taste? Was faster than yours. Yeah, and and I also uh, kind of like the. Uh, the scene where Dustin Hoffman is kind of having the like dick measuring contest with the FBI guy. He's like, "You, the FBI didn't even know that. Like, we got you on that. Like, yep. <laughs> it's like he can't stop. He's just yeah. always on this, even when he's talking to a source at the FBI." Yeah, not a good performance in this movie. I thought was Hal Holbrook's. I thought his mm -hmm. like deep throat character or whatever was really fun, uh, like super conspiratorial. And weird, but like kind of playing up his own role, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Like he's like, I have very important information, but I will only give it to you in yeah. puzzles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just like you the, tell me what you what? know. <laughs> Why right don't you just <laughs> fucking tell me right away? This will be like way less of a hassle. Yeah. You just tell me what happened. No, we have to meet at weird times all in this weird parking garage. I'll only yeah, give but... you. <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny all this shit that I will yeah, tell you. That character's like Batman. He he Batman's Robert Redford. <laughs> yeah. He turns around and then he turns back and he's gone. <laughs> he like yeah, the Pete Holmes Batman. What's <laughs> again? Say it. Say your line again. <laughs> Turn back around. Uh, uh, Batman's what, what gone. <laughs> Yeah, what you got there, Batman? Uh, evidence. You found you found some evidence. I found some evidence. You found ev I found evidence. I gotta take it back to the lab <laughs> and analyze it with science. Um, so yeah, I kind of wanted to bridge, uh, Patrick and I, when uh, at the beginning when we were talking about whether we liked it or not. Um, that mm. he was saying like there's a masculine vibe to this movie and I think that's kind of also what I was mm. getting about saying that it doesn't feel like thematically dense to me like it feels very much like they wrote this story and they're like this is what we want to say and then no one mm. was like looking over it and being like is there anything else that we can think about here like the post probably too much too overtly too over the board <laughs> realizes how weird it is that there are these rooms with just like all these smoking white men 
making mm-hmm. decisions and that it's just a bunch of different rooms with all these smoking white men acting the same, whether they're working for the government or for the paper or whatever. And the Post realizes that and this movie never once thinks that that is like weird at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, you know, to me, like, it's because they were like, we got this thing that just happened. It's really in the news. Competitive filmmaking. Yeah. They're like, we got to get it out there. Yeah, We're just going to get the story. And, you know, and we're going to make these compelling characters, but we're not thinking about, like, the edges at all. So, like, mm. I think it's a very aesthetically well-made movie. But to me, I think, you know, especially in comparison to the Parallax, Parallax view, mm. <laughs> that, like, I was never bored by this. And mm-hmm. I like the performances. And I think... Uh, that they are compelling characters, but I never felt like I could write about it, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think the thing that bothers me the most is, like, they try to peel off onto that, like, paranoia angle where they're like, your lives may be in danger, but all of that feels very undercooked. Like, all of the paranoia stuff feels undercooked because it never feels... Not in the parallax view. Well, I mean, yeah, but but in this movie, it's like, all paranoia, baby. It 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 feels like um, I don't was the parallax view after this because it, um, it feels like it maybe was kind of a riff that he had. Let's see, parallax view I was seventy four, so. so it was parallax oh, it view was before, before this. So oh, yeah. it seems like maybe nice. it was kind of a riff on something he had explored more thoroughly there and kind of tried to put in here and i guess there was that element of you know um paranoia or whatever but there's no real tangible like you know manifestation of it in this movie there's just a scene where robert redford feels like oh like you know oh, a car door slammed over here or, like somebody's talking in the shadows over there or, like you know they, they kind of try and play that up but it, it never really lands for me it always just feels like it's kind of shoehorning in something that doesn't really need it doesn't really belong with the rest of what the movie's about where it's about these people who are like you know like after this story and the whole like your lives may be in danger thing felt well it felt it felt too heightened for uh, for for our listeners you're missing a lot of fun hand movements from patrick as he's doing this sorry i I talk with my hands a lot so i'm like (laughs) yeah the, the the your lives are in danger thing feels I don't know. It, it feels too heightened for the types of the type of story that the rest of the movie seems like it's trying to tell. Where it's like very nitty gritty down to the details, like all these little minutia, and then the, the like your lives may be in danger. It's like a spy movie all of a sudden, mm-hmm. where it's like supposed to be well, sort of like James Bondy, and I was just like, eh, I don't really buy that. I thought movie. that that like mirrored the progress of the investigation well. Like, yeah. They when they, in the beginning, it's just this weird thing that they oh maybe like the campaign finance guy or whatever is involved or or some other stuff right and then it's the fucking president like mm-hmm. it, the movie doesn't yeah. even go that far but like that's how far up the whole thing goes yeah and I think as as the movie progresses you they it gets more and more like paranoid because the fucking journalist like no wonder Jason Robards keeps like complaining like there's no one will confirm any of this. This is insane. Like, we're making all these people 
we're like putting they're turning them into enemies and these are like very powerful people like none of them are used to being defamed like this or you know um so by the time that that happens in the movie it's really late in the movie too right like that scene where robert rapper like looks over his shoulder and like he thinks someone's maybe following him that happens like at the very very end so i guess it didn't really bother me as much it was just like for me just like a script thing where it's just wanted to mirror the weirdness of the investigation at that point. If you know about Watergate, the initial actual Watergate crime is, you know, one of the most minor offenses that it just yeah. led to. Things like finding out that Nixon was secretly bombing Cambodia and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> like on the list and of then, offen- yeah. Yeah. And then and then yeah, I mean it's come up a bunch this year or whatever, but that the the cover-up itself was actually, like, much more egregious and upsetting to people than the initial crime. Like, people kind of didn't care about Watergate when it happened. Yeah. But then he kept, like, trying to hide how involved he was in it, and it kept making it worse and worse. But I, I yeah, I sort of, I mean, for me, the movie was always, like, like visually unnerving. That, like, the way that Pacula shoots, like, contemporary buildings, I was always just like, oh, this doesn't look good like this is this seems like an upsetting world to live in and even like i was amazed he was able to do it there's like one point where they're driving past the white house and the way he shoots it he like frames it with like the the fences like um like the iron bars of the fence like kind of obscuring it but not fully and i was like oh this is like a really creepy angle like i've never seen the white house just look like this menacing and upsetting (laughs) this is really cool so like the descent into like more paranoid stuff or whatever yeah i was uh, it felt sort of like what i was well i mean sort of what i was expecting but also like it felt like a more or less natural visual progression actually what he's always it's actually what he's really good at with the parallax view too is like turning office buildings into really creepy places like there's uh conventions also happening during the parallax view a lot of the buildings involved in that movie are usually very like office memories from that movie is that yeah. he makes this like parade like marching band celebration yeah. thing like feel like very unsettling and inhuman. yeah super yeah uh um, and a lot of it's just like these like weird angles these buildings that are that have these like very um like sh- the, the, these windows that just like go in a straight line forever and like the way that the shadows yeah. from those buildings fall on the floor like all of that stuff is just like he turns that into like a horror scene or whatever, and like he's very very effective at, at that. I haven't seen a lot of directors turn these like very basic urban like uh, architecture things or use them that well actually, which is mm-hmm. which is interesting. Jonathan cause... Glazer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we 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 disagree on that one. Um, Get something but, uh, in your throat there. Uh, but yeah, that's one of the things actually. Like uh, the uh, James Nairmore's book, More Than Night, uh, about film noir, like kind of made me pay more attention to or whatever that the like the ways in which like modernity was like pretty upsetting to a lot of people. So they're like, yeah. oh, isn't it weird that we used to live in like normal looking buildings and now we live in these like weird monsters that are made of concrete and uh, the the way that film noir shot it was like uh, 
pretty attuned Another. to that. This movie also reminds me a lot of Point Blank in terms of its yeah. audio and uh, visual mm-hmm. sensibility. Yeah. That one's cool definitely more obtuse, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I also wanted to... <laughs> this one gives you, like, in. humans and stuff that you can connect with and, like, a story arc. <laughs> yeah. I also wanted to comment on earlier um, about why the movie is probably on the AFI list. It's It was nominated mm-hmm. for Best Picture uh, in 1977. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it won... Uh, Jason Robards actually won the academy award for best supporting actor i think that's his uh, only one yeah yeah the script uh won best uh, adapted screenplay um the art direction won and the sound design won also cool. so it won four academy awards very uh, woke academy picture, awards what beat it 77 i think was uh annie hall in 77 i think oh Ooh, so much for no. that i don't remember <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I've no, I I watched a hundred movies from 1976 yet, but I bet even if I had, some of those nominations would hold for me as well, yeah. especially Peter... sound design and robots. Rocky. Yeah. Oh yeah, Rocky. Yeah. Was, okay, sorry, sorry. It was what a yeah. Rocky movie. was yeah. <laughs> Rocky won this picture that year. This movie's definitely better yeah. than Rocky. But uh, yes. but yeah, I was. Um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, I think that it's an interesting movie in terms of like it's a it's a fun kind of like confluence of things where like I mean, I think in the 70s you could just kind of get away with this sort of filmmaking a lot more obviously. It was like kind of what people were into, but also like that you can make like a really well-regarded hit movie that is as weird as this just by like including the other elements. Like tons of people are going to see yeah. this movie just cuz it's about like the Nixon scandal and that's like uh, and it starts a hot Robert button yeah exactly and that, that's what i was gonna say the other thing is like oh it's also got robert redford one of my favorite actors in it so i'm gonna see it for that reason and then and then you're like watching what's actually like a very weird mundane movie <laughs> oh man you want to hear something really depressing uh so peter finch won the i think acting award for in, in 1977 right i think he won it for network yep um so, but he died, right? He couldn't accept yeah. the award. So yeah. his widow accepted the award for him, and his widow is a black woman, and I think that's the first time a black woman accepted an Oscar in <laughs> Oscar history. It's his yeah. widow. On, on, the, on the stage, I think. I think... Um, yeah, because Hattie, Hattie McDaniel, Hattie McDaniel for... won for... Yeah. Uh, Gone with oh. the Land, but she, she, she did that story. Is, that story is even sadder. Yeah. Yep. The oh, God. They had a separate yep. performance for her to accept her award. Oh, Jesus a, Christ. A secondary location. <laughs> and there was a lot of arguments um, with her crew or what, whether or not she should accept it at all. And she... Fuck me. Yes, yeah, somebody, I actually, uh, somebody wrote a screenplay that I listened to on the the blacklist uh did a podcast that was just unproduced screenplays where they yeah. acted them out and uh there was one called selznick's folly that was all about him making gone with the wind and about her winning the like a lot of it was about hattie mcdaniel and like him mm. convincing her to play that role and uh her like winning and all the stuff that happened with her afterwards too so, mm. yeah <laughs> we've now yeah, moved I mean, uh, sorry. Yeah. 
to the googling <laughs> portion. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's we, all good, but I think... Oh, go ahead. We've now moved way past it, but building off what Basil was saying about the movie looking creepy is that when they're doing that card catalog work, they're shot from bird's eye in the library, and it just keeps mm. going up and up and up until they're, like, really small, and you've just got all these, like, circle tables, and I thought it was a very unnerving shot. And specifically, when I was looking at that shot, I was like, even though... I don't believe in any of that Illuminati crap. Like, looking at buildings like this makes sense why other people do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looking for patterns. It's all weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I also like uh, wrote down... Which is cool. <laughs> yep. Um, another concept this movie introduces, which is only kind of come up in the last few years again is the concept of rat fucking <laughs> which yeah, is was... like fun to hear about <laughs> in the movie from 76 um, because that's what the Republicans have been doing right over the past uh, 10 to 20 years or whatever um, for, for so that years. was or yeah exactly even longer yeah uh, Democrats are not exempt themselves they're actually the game and they're not as good at it people should have been more woke to this movie because it basically predicted the whole thing (laughs) in 1976 is 40 years ago pretty much i mean trump is Um, just shitty nixon so yeah we're all in it Uh, shitty nixon (laughs) i read i read it the post makes that very very obvious yeah Uh, so (laughs) the post makes everything obvious there's nothing yeah, that the true. post has to say that is very clearly <laughs> written out for you. <laughs> but it is it was a fun contrast, you know, I mean, as I talked about, because there's so many, like, hero shots of, like, the front of the New York Times or the front of the Washington yeah. Post with, like, the big letters. And I was like, oh, this movie has none of that. This movie isn't impressed by the Washington Post as an institution. Um, I think it's a technically well-accomplished scene that I like, and therefore I've put it, I don't know whether or not I'll make the end of the year best scenes mm-hmm. list when the kid is running from, like, uh, what, the hotel room where the people are working on the article in the Times to the, like, Times mm-hmm. thing. But it's very, it's very that. It's very like, gotta go, got a story, gotta. <laughs> we're we're on the beat, and I was like, I'm really feeling this scene, but also I kind of hate what it's about. <laughs> and I like this movie better for being more yeah. like what it is. <laughs> yeah. They're pretty bad people. <laughs> Yeah, but it's a movie also that should be uh, more, I think, should be more, much more of the DNA of how people perceive the U.S. as well. It's not like government corruption and government, uh, I don't know, acting, behaving in uh, dangerous, destructive ways is something that Trump invented. Like every time I read any of that is always oh, yeah. like really yeah. disgusting. Um, like and even, even like the whole uncouthness, which is yeah, what that's a lot exactly, of people are very exactly upset what I wanted to is say. That, is that Trump is, you know, that he's taken the mask off is like what people say. Yeah. Even that in, in that instance, like we've got the Nixon and Lyndon B. Johnson tapes. Like 
they just didn't release it on Twitter. The only difference yeah. is yeah. that yeah. they didn't say it publicly, but yeah. they were both big pieces of shit. You <laughs> talked a bunch of crap about totally. these people. <laughs> they would have been on Twitter all the time, I'm sure. At least Lindsay yeah. Johnson would be, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, well, he's got to send about... dick pics to everyone. Exactly. <laughs> he would totally have sex with a porn star and then pay for pay for it to to silence her or whatever, which is like the most scandalous thing about Trump that could ever possibly happen, right? Not the fact that he's a racist, imperialist fucking killer uh, who's like already on track to kill more people than Obama did during his first term uh, in his like first two years or whatever. Um, so not that not that that's the problem. It's the problem that he, he doesn't have the right family values as a president. <laughs> Just that that's well, that's really if you like, don't if you don't put a happy face on your yeah. imperialism, that's harder for uh, you got to be a bit smoother with to, it. to buy it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what the issue is. <laughs> exactly, that's true. Why centrists are mad? Yeah, yeah. that's definitely the reason they're mad. <laughs> It's they just like it's such poor taste. <laughs> He's part of the resistance now. <laughs> Romney's cool again. Yep. Or cool for the very first time in his boring, <laughs> terrible life. Everyone forgot that he strapped a dog to the ceiling of his car once. Car. <laughs> Back <laughs> when that was enough. Piece of shit. Uh... <laughs> But uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a prick! Uh. It's got to be a, but yeah, it's I totally mean, unrelated, but it's got to uh, be a sad job being a politician because I don't think you can escape it ruining your soul in the current mm-hmm. system that exists. It's like being yeah. a cop; like maybe you went into it with like some idle hope of being good, and then it just makes you a terrible <laughs> person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but some of them were probably terrible before they went in, like Ted Cruz. Yeah, yeah. Some people were very excited to be. Right. Which is why I like uh, uh, Ellen Pompeo, aka uh, Mered Gray's uh, thoughts on <laughs> women in the film industry, where she said, "Well, women in power is not necessarily always the answer because power always corrupts." So. Yeah. She was like, it's a shitty system, so you the might shitty, system, shitty yeah. until they fix it. Give me all yeah. the money I can get. Exactly. And Absolutely. Like, what a great, get what a great interview. What a like 100% great interview. <laughs> like, this is, I, like, yeah, I didn't care all... about her acting or that show at all. Yeah. And then I read that yeah. interview and I'm like, Ellen Pompeo's hashtag bay. <laughs> mm. <laughs> totally. And Chanda Rhimes, too. Um, so, yeah, I actually, yeah, I don't know. Uh, some parts of Grey's Anatomy are okay. So, <laughs> I'll go out yeah, on a limb right. and say that. <laughs> I saw the first season a long, long time ago, but I don't remember almost anything about it except for Kyle Chandler yeah. in it and explosives. I yeah, don't remember that. He's in it that for was, a bit. That was pre me knowing who Kyle Chandler was, I think, because yeah. it was pre me seeing Friday Night Lights. But uh, uh, he's in one episode where they blow up the hospital. Nice. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, yeah. I, 
I was going to say something, but I was like, do I really need to keep harping on the post? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm not talking about this movie. I mean, <laughs> there's a good movie, chance that you're going to, I don't know, maybe you'll talk about it at the end of the year, too. <laughs> maybe. Just have to wait yeah. one more year. <laughs> but I did think, like, you know, I mean, because one of the bigger problematic things about the movie is that, like, it's lionizing the Washington Post in, uh, that has been, like, I was thinking the movie would be more interesting if it had picked a story where the Washington Post actually did the opposite because they, um, they've definitely, like, over the years killed stories <laughs> or not pursued them due to government pressure. And, like, yeah. it's, uh, you know, like, you could make an interesting movie that's, like, kind of a tragedy that's about the way in which, like, you know, we worked pretty hard on this thing, but... At the at the end of the day, you know the compromises that we made over, uh, overwhelmed our desire to like, quote unquote, do the right thing or whatever. And that would be a more honest depiction of where newspapers are at in terms of uh, post Iraq War being like, those WMDs are out there. We're gonna find them. <laughs> <laughs> because the New York Times yeah. and the Washington Post were like leading the. The ed- especially the editorial boards were like leading the charge that Saddam Hussein's a a monster who must be stopped. The ending of the post is very very bad and mm-hmm. uh, is very like uh, we're going to explain everything that we have done badly in the history <laughs> of our existence as being in pursuit of this goal. It's good mm-hmm. or something that's touched uh yeah yeah Meryl Streep has this <laughs> line really where she's like you know we don't always get everything right but it's a good first draft or whatever and I was like yeah. no fuck you Ugh. <laughs> like, yeah. it, horrible I'm actually kind of surprised that I still gave it three stars because it does end on the absolute worst note in my opinion mm. uh, the whole movie yeah my least favorite part real hand wavy like <laughs> We made mistakes, but we were always trying our best. And, you know, we didn't. <laughs> yeah, this movie doesn't do this at all. No. Oh, no. This movie. I also, yeah. Like, I really I feel like very the comfortable ending, saying especially... that this movie is much smarter than that movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, I think that I really like the ending as far as, like, if you're going to have a, yeah. then this happened, then this happened, using the automatic typewriter is, like, a really good way to, Fun. like, you know, revel in the dehumanization thing that the movie's been going yeah. for the whole time because they are very unsettling to me just watching it go on its own <laughs> yeah creepy noise too yeah a lot of uh a lot of typewriters in this movie <laughs> uh, I, a lot, no, I, a lot of... <laughs> I like that uh the scene where nixon is get do, doing his uh, uh swearing in and they're oh, like yeah. just typing the whole time. Yeah. I mean, this movie loses uses a lot of that, like what is it called, split diatribe oh, yeah. or whatever. Like, I don't know, like um, yeah, the, the split focus where you where you have like two different oh, yeah, things in different shots. deaths. Yeah, <laughs> this movie has a lot of those. <laughs> um, so and they don't have After Effects yet, so like you can see the yeah. very clear line where yeah, where it starts get blurry between. again. Yeah, 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 yeah right. <laughs> um, the two focus. Um, yeah, I think that uh, I was talking about that. I found them really distracting initially, and then I also 
I mean, I continued to find them very distracting, but I, yeah. I wondered whether or not uh, Pacula was doing that on purpose because I mm. feel like De Palma uses it, those shots a lot, but he yeah. tries pretty hard to hide the fact that he's doing that. Yeah, they're that. better in Citizen sure. Kane, which predates this movie by 30 years, 35 years, mm-hmm. so. Um, yeah. yeah, but I get but it. you're right. De Palma I hate uses them as like... Kane, too. I don't, I don't like the shot. It wasn't that I can see the blurry thing. I don't like the shot because I know that it can't exist. But, That's the thing yeah. that always bothers me about it. I think what Basil no, is saying is like, this movie uses it to like, such a degree if... that it's almost like he's making a point with that type of shot or whatever. Like right, it is. That, that it's like distracting and taking you out of the like moment on mm. purpose. That yeah. it is yes. like deliberately so... artificial as opposed to... <laughs> point one, they look better at Citizen Kane. So I'm saying probably, yes, it's intentional. Point two, yeah. I hate this shot. I don't care if he's using it intentionally <laughs> to distract me. I don't want it. I don't like it. Do some other mm. way to take me out of the moment. Use an audio something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like the shot. Mm. I can't look at it. <laughs> Even when it's but, I done mean, super well. The reason I, I actually mentioned game. that earlier is because the what I liked about this movie is that it almost positions journalism and government as completely opposites like while government is doing like its highest thing journalism is working at basically subverting that government and i like that because usually those two things are seen as being part of the same like cloth or whatever right like government at its best is striving for the same things that journalism at its best is trying to show government that it should be striving for. But in this movie, it's like, no, journalism is actually all about like making sure like that government fucking falls the fuck apart if it, yeah. uh, if it doesn't actually do the job it's supposed to do. Um, but I think that it is interesting in that it still creates like the kind of parallel. So it's like two sides of the same coin yeah. Yeah. in like a more literal sense of that, where they're both doing the same thing, which is trying to sort of undermine the other one yeah. in what they're doing. And right. like, you know, the, uh, but like in a, you know, one side is doing it too for a slightly nobler reason. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, you know, it's kind of like a checks and balances type thing, mm-hmm. except for in this case, it's not like they're mostly good, but you need something there when they mess right. up. It's they're mostly bad. And yeah, exactly. them, if you yeah. distract them with the, all their fighting themselves, then the other people won't get hurt as much if all they do. Yeah, punch it's like each you other. said, it's usually uses like a corrective. In this, mm-hmm. in this case, it's uses the like, oh, there's, we're not correcting anything. We're really like completely undermining the entire thing. And uh, that's like a fun way to frame this type of thing because I don't know, that goes at it from a perspective of the US government not being fundamentally decent, right? So. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, it's uh, on the Intercepted podcast, James Risen was talking about his time at the New York Times and mm. uh, getting to know a bunch of CIA people working the CIA beat or whatever. And one of the things he talked about was actually like, you know, that like a tiny, tiny percentage of what's like very classified probably should be because like people will uh, be hurt if, you know, 
agents in the field or whatever could get hurt if the information was disseminated publicly, but that like a huge chunk of it is just the CIA fucking things up so then they classify things so that they <laughs> don't realize how badly they're like screwing up and like bungling their missions and stuff. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's terrible. what the post was kind of about. That's about a big classified yeah. document where they did a study that proved that everything they were doing was wrong for academic <laughs> yeah. reasons. It's like the funniest, saddest <laughs> document in existence. They're like, we should okay. do an academic study to find out how bad the Vietnam War is. And it's like, it's super bad. All right, let's classify that and put it away. <laughs> <laughs> it's not working out. But... Good right, job wow. on academics on nailing it. <laughs> the... yeah. this, this podcast went... Much longer than I was expecting. It's yeah. Cool. Cool. I guess it was a pretty long movie. But yeah. Classify really the podcast. Fast. My last two yeah. notes on, on this movie are no one speaks Spanish at the Washington Post? Yes. Question mark. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Like, not a single person? Come on, Robert Redford. You'll be. I, like I guess he's only been there nine months. Because, like, they don't breeze over it. They make him really, like, embarrassed over the yeah. fact that he doesn't speak Spanish. It's like, yes. this is a flaw that you have, and we're going to yeah. sit on yep. it for a moment. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Right. The you other... could be blowing a huge lead by <laughs> not having this skill. Yeah. Maybe. The other note I had was uh, the scene where the woman invites them into her home and then talks to them and is like, I work at Garfinkel's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that part's really funny. It's just <laughs> it feels like a big break or whatever. Yeah, but they're like, oh, yeah, oh my God, finally, really this like person's going to talk to us, and they're really into us or whatever, and then it's just some reader, basically. No, I work at Garfinkel's. Yeah. But I mean, like, wow, for, for just some random person to know the journalist just by name, that's that's good. That's like... That's how it was back a super fan. People really Respect... Knew. Respect <laughs> journalism. I have like 20 notes, but I think one of them pretty much sums up everything, including my thoughts and the movie itself, and that's men are weird jerks. They <laughs> <laughs> <Yep. laughs> sure are. Yep. Okay. Thanks for listening, that's everybody. That's a solid, yeah, <laughs> solid note to go out on. Thanks for listening to us be weird jerks. Yeah. 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 Our, um if you're enjoying it please subscribe using your podcast listening application and give us a five-star rating and review on itunes you can check out all of our content including new videos that dropped this week best of 2015 other videos are coming down the pipe i started working on another one i'm gonna try to for at least a couple months try to keep one coming up every two weeks we'll see whether or not that actually Ooh. stays Ooh. true but yeah. um, if I get some help from the loose cannons crew it, it could definitely stay true <laughs> <laughs> but anyway uh, hope you enjoyed this podcast um, and we will have you listen to us next time yay uh, do it bye bye oh. bye Okay.